This is Channel 253. The Citizen Tacoma podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Candice Rood, and I fly Alaska. To book your next flight, go to alaskaair.com. I'm Candice. I'm Doug. And we are the Citizen Tacoma podcast, informing an empowered electorate. I thought we were empowering an informed electorate. In in the the city city of destiny. Hi, Doug. Hi, Candace. Doug's a little salty because we just heard a very depressing stat about voter turnout in Tacoma. You know what makes a liberal libtard? What? Not voting. Vote! God's sakes. And also listen to this great interview with Port of Tacoma candidate Kristen Ang. Okay, welcome to Citizen Tacoma. Here today with Kristen Ang. Is it Ang or Ong? Ang. It is. Okay, good. I was right on the first one. Uh, thank Pe- you for having me. Yeah. People have been calling me Candace Rudd my whole life, so I'm sure I'm sure you get Ong sometimes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. God, I'm on radio or podcast. I, nodding is not enough. <laughs> like, Nod with your voice. <laughs> um, all right. So you are running for Port Position 5. Yes, I'm running for Port of Tacoma, position five. And I always like to say that everyone in Pierce County can vote for Port because the Port should benefit all of Pierce County. It's our county's economic engine, supporting more than 41,000 jobs and $3 billion in economic activity. And for some people, when they ask me in five seconds, what is the Port? (laughs) Well, you know, ship, ship, money, money, trade, train, truck, truck, money, money. (laughs) Well, people like the whole ship, ship, money, money. But we are the most trade-dependent state. 40% of jobs are related to trade. So you think about fisheries. You think about the agricultural goods that we do ship to the Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, A lot of our goods actually don't stay here. We, it transports to the Midwest markets. Mm. I was reading the, uh, I think it was the Port of Seattle or the Northwest Seaport Alliance's like, little newsletter they send out. They're talking about the letter they just sent against the tariffs because... Apparently, shockingly, that's been pretty devastating to the port. Uh, yes. You know, like <laughs> soy, grain. grain. We have. Uh, I was told by Longshore they haven't seen a grain ship since July. Wow. Uh, no logs exporting. Uh, the fisheries, like I said, also agricultural goods do rot. Right. And so, so far, this the tariffs are, are bad for our economy and bad for families because they have to pay $800 more, $1,600 more for their goods yeah. per year. Yeah, absolutely. So you ran in 2017, and you ran against Don Meyer, I believe, back then for the port? Yes. Back then, I was a newbie, an unknown, who at 3 o'clock on a Friday, the last day to file in the last hour, I was just simply going to do research because I wanted to learn more about the port, about these candidates, Mm. discuss these issues, because I was very upset about the world's largest methanol plant that was about to be built at the Port of Tacoma. I didn't think this was the vision for us, especially when at the time uh, two methanol plants were being built uh, in places called Cancer Alley, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And so I thought this was simply a way to extract resources from our area and somewhat of that the people would not gain. And so I wanted to learn more about uh, what is what, what this discussion is, what is the vision for our port that is inclusive. Mm. And when I saw it, there was no opponent, <laughs> I said, well, that's not going to happen. You could protest all you want, but if 
you're not at the table, they will not listen. Right. Absolutely. So you came and, out of clear damn nowhere. And so I filed because <laughs> I actually was looking for someone. I was like, looking think, for someone else to run? I was looking for someone else to run at that hour, and I couldn't think of anyone. I couldn't call anyone. I was frustrated, and then I thought to myself— I can't ask of anyone what I won't ask of myself, mm-hmm. and it costs less than a Katy Perry ticket that my little cousin <laughs> paid for to file, and so I did. What did it cost to file? It was $216. Okay, okay. It's a lot for a Katy Perry ticket, but she wanted very close seats. Wow, yeah. And she saved up. The little kid saved up. That's good. Good for her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so you were kind of this unknown in 2017, but you raised a ton of money and got a no, lot not of— not in 2017. No. I thought you no, raised, like, in no, the 40s in 2017. Nope. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, not much money, uh, not much endorsements at all. It was just simply going to the people, to the mm. festivals, showing up at the forums. It was really a stark contrast. They called me a young woman, even though I was oh. middle age, because there was one woman and five men. Mm. And most of the men were older, and they said the same things. Mm. And so I was different, it w- even both in facial makeup and perspective. Mm. And to the surprise of the establishment, I almost won without right. mailers, without without what, without institutional support. Didn't you have like forty nine percent of the vote or something crazy? Forty and a half. Forty and a half. That's still a lot. That's a lot. Yes. And it was very for that for the commission that's typically been made up of old white men or old white people. It was a it was a shock. Yeah, I would have been the first person of color to ever be elected on the port commission. Wow. I had no idea at the time because mm-hmm. that's not why I was running. Right. But I was informed of that and I was stunned yeah. that there had been no you know Native American because that's Puyallup tribe land or African American because there's been African American mayors mm-hmm. here in Tacoma. Mm-hmm. So tell us about the second time running. What's it? How's it been different? You know, they say that if you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, you go with people. Mm-hmm. So this time around, there's much more of an edge to go with people, and it's all you're not. You don't feel as alone. I think at, during the first run, I was really just solo. Mm-hmm. There were people there who believed in the vision and the hope, but I think the only person who maybe thought I was going to win was me. That was the possibility. <laughs> Everybody just thought your hope, your vision, but they didn't know if I could make it. And when they saw the numbers, they had wished they had done more. Mm. Uh, this time around, I have people with me right from the very beginning. At my kickoff, there were over 100 people and yes. 100 more who even apologized, not even coming. And there's endorsements. There's money from elected officials to Washington conservation voters, and the rare endorsement of the Puyallup Tribe of Indians. Mm -hmm. They normally do not endorse in these races. But this is a different time and a different era. It's kind of we're embarking on the next 100 years of the port. And I believe this is an opportunity where we can heal the historical tensions between the port and the tribe and the city. As we've seen in the past couple years, there has been these amends between at least publicly between the city and the tribe. You've seen the Puyallup tribe's flag in chambers and the dedication of the Fishing Wars Memorial Bridge. Yeah. Um, you know, back in the day, there was these fishing wars in which uh, tribe tribal members were being arrested simply for fishing or simply for exercising their treaty rights. Mm, right. And so hopefully 50 years from now, we won't have a... Um, LNG bridge yeah. <laughs> dedicated oh to the fight to uh, for environmental uh, sustainability. And literally, um, 
Bridge fuel. Bridge fuel. <laughs> yeah. Get it? Get but, it? Yeah. <laughs> Good one. So because they're still fighting now. Um, right. I was going to say, you said it was a public, kind of a public amends has been made, but mm-hmm. not maybe not behind closed doors or? It was interesting. I was at the dedication at the bridge and to hear what people went through, the men being arrested, the women having to step up and, you know, women like Ramona Bennett were, were they're living legends mm-hmm. in terms of fighting for their people. And for for justice. And yet the fight still goes on today in Tacoma, whether it's uh, treaty rights or the Northwest Detention Center. Right. Um, Because we've seen expansion of the Northwest Detention Center since the early 2000s. We've also seen expansion of fossil fuels here in Tacoma. It's like we're a welcoming and sanctuary city (laughs) to the fossil fuel industry (laughs) where everyone else is saying no. And a lot of people said no to the North to to a detention center yeah. back in the day, Tacoma said yes. Yeah. We'll take whatever we can get. Um, that's me being Tacoma in 2000. Um, so what brought you here? How did Who are you? How did you get to this point? Hmm. You know, there comes a time when voting is not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom says it was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I grew up in a Catholic faith. That's something that maybe people don't know is that with these Judeo-Christian values, they say that you have to have service for others. And if you do have the privilege and the skills to fight, then then go for it. Mm-hmm. And there comes a time when I'm looking at community and what I can give. I mean, this thing is beyond me. And I think that's what motivates you is the things that are just beyond yourself. Mm-hmm. There's so much, so many people in the community that are counting on this race because they do believe it is the turning point election at the port and with our environment yeah. in, in times of climate change. And so we were talking earlier before we started recording that you got the endorsement of the News Tribune, um, which was a pleasant surprise because I usually re- their endorsements are usually kind of leave me scratching my head. But anyway, um, yes, they called me the fiery outsider, which I'm glad they still called me an outs- fiery outsider. <laughs> you get to keep your cred. <laughs> I get to keep my street cred. Uh, but they also said I had the international legal and business background mm. uh, since I studied and worked in mainland uh, China and Hong Kong, which is our largest trading partner. Uh, but they also saw that in my interview, and I was I was able to talk about all the issues of the port right. and have ideas, as well as you know there needs to be an environmental and community advocate voice at that port. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's five commissioners. Like I've said before in in my past Citizen Tacoma interview, is that you shouldn't have five of the same person. I wouldn't want five of me there. Mm-hmm. You should have different perspectives, different skill sets, and that would that will make you more competitive and innovative. Right. And you also finished first in the primary. There, so you had a primary. Yes, I did. Yeah. At first, I was like slight second, but like me, my voters are late voters. We wait till the last day, and so I ended Courtney up. Love too, apparently. Yes. So I ended up with forty-one percent of the vote. So it is going to be a tight race. Uh, You know, changing, if people want to change the system, they do have to change the electorate as well. Uh, I've, uh, Pierce County had the lowest voter turnout in the state. Tacoma had a turnout of, I think, 20, 22 percent. Seattle had a primary turnout of 43 percent. Wow. And come on, Tacoma. If we do want to Tacoma votes by Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> Good for you. Stay off it. But if we want to change things, and especially if youth want to change things, they really do need to start voting. Mm-hmm. And part of me thinks that there's not as much efforts being 
to, to get out the vote because some people are very happy with this turnout Absolutely. because they get what they want. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, talk about I think this is a good time to talk about uh, your opponent a little bit. So you're running against Dave Bryant. Mm-hmm. He's long time in the shipping industry and now no. he works for Boeing. OK, I just uh, read his he, website. Yeah, <laughs> he was in the Navy, according oh, to right, his uh, bio. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he ran for U.S. Senate. Uh, last year, to the right of uh, Susan Hutchinson, Susan Hutchinson eventually won the Republican nomination for the Senate. Uh, so he was to the right of her. Yeah, he's written that he thinks Donald Trump is the best president in his lifetime. He's done more and fulfilled his campaign promises. Ooh, boy. So, <laughs> so in some ways, I'm running. You know, it's, Port is nonpartisan. So, but some people would judge, would probably question his judgment on that one, mm-hmm. particularly if we're taking a look at ports and economics, how much the tariffs and the trade war has affected us. Right. If we're just looking at it from an economic uh, point of view. Uh, it's really negatively impacted the Pacific Northwest. Right. And yeah, and on his website, uh, you know, not to belabor the point, but on his website, he talks about wanting to improve the economics of the port and make it a stronger port, et cetera, et cetera. But then you have these tariffs that are obviously hurting hurting the business we're doing at the port. So, yeah, it's an interesting ju- juxtaposition. So why are you the right person for the job? I think I have the vision mm-hmm. for the port of what a successful modern port that will thrive in the 21st century. I also can bridge. Uh, I, I also can help build bridges. Uh, like I said, I have the Puyallup Tribes endorsement as well as Tacoma Mayor Woodard's. And in the next the next term, we'll shape the sub-area plan. Mm-hmm. And that will determine the port's land use for decades. And that involves... Uh, Stakeholders like the Puyallup Tribe of Indians, uh, the city of Tacoma, and the port. Hmm. And they have to work in concert to have a shared vision, shared perspective. A lot of people say, don't rock the vote. But I already tell them the vote is rocking. That's why you have all these conflicts. And so you do have to have a shared vision and a shared direction in order for you to move forward. And I think I'm, I believe I'm the better person for that job Mm because I can reach more people. I also think the port does need to be more innovative and take a leading role in being an environmental innovator and leader rather than putting that into the to the back burner to do just the minimum. Otherwise, you get sued by organizations like the Soundkeepers Association, Mm -hmm. you know, accusing you of violating uh, the Clean Water Act. You want to have the most updated stormwater technologies and practices. You do want to see where you can do research to biofuels. As a port, I, I believe that since you are, you have the widest economic authority, you can, you have you can have relationships among cities, the tribe. You should be the environment. You should be a leader. You should be a collaborator. You should be connected to our educational institutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, if you're the economic engine, the maritime industry, then there has to be a better, a stronger connection to our educational institutions because that's where you're going to foster that innovation, build the skilled workforce of tomorrow, yeah. as well as expanding those access to jobs and opportunities. And that's why two years ago, I did propose having a maritime high school or a maritime regional training center. And that really sparked interest yeah, among a, a lot idea. of people. Uh, and now I hear that the Port of Seattle and the public, Seattle Public Schools are thinking about doing it. But it still hasn't happened. It still hasn't happened, but they're actually in discussions and, and having stakeholders. But I believe that the if there's two, great. But if there's going to be one, I believe that Tacoma is the better spot. Mm-hmm. Um, not only I think our real estate and we have land for this, that's less expensive, but we do have the know-how where we have uh, to, we have Alaskan shipping here. Uh, we also have a flagship 
flagship uh, maritime. They do some training. So they do some maritime training and certifications. And whenever you do put an educational institution, that's where innovation happens. Mm-hmm. That's where businesses like to have skilled workforces. And so they will locate here. Absolutely. And so... And also it creates jobs, mm-hmm. right? teaching jobs. Uh, people often even fly from different states to get trained in the maritime industry. Right. Seems common sense. Yes. <laughs> um, so talking about Seattle, and uh, I feel I think with the Northwest Seaport Alliance having formed, maybe it was four or five years ago now, I think a lot of Tacomans feel like we get short shrift in that deal and that Seattle gets all the new, green, fun, cool, innovative stuff like shore power and all the more environmentally friendly stuff. And we haven't really seen that here. And I know you talk about shore power on your website. So Yes, I do believe in increasing shore power technology. They have shore power in T5, the the terminal that Mm -hmm. has just been upgraded up in Seattle. Uh, When it comes to the Northwest Seaport Alliance, I have heard complaints, but at the time when it was being formed, it was necessary because the Port of Seattle and Port of Tacoma were in a race to the bottom, undercutting. And there are these uh, large shipping alliances with really large negotiating power. And we did not want to be, you know, we're just one large maritime gateway and we can provide more together. We can coordinate investments and lobbying activities. As well as since we have formed this alliance, we were able to get eight cranes that can service the larger and larger ships. Uh, one of the motivations also to form this alliance because it was the widening of the Panama Canal. Mm-hmm. Because since that widened, then a lot more ships can go through that canal, the 13,000 TEUs, like containers, like the larger ships. So we needed to compete to service the larger than larger ships, mm-hmm. um, and which can make less stops. Mm-hmm. So we're now competing with British Columbia. That's who we believe is our competitor. Also California ports, but we have our eye on British Columbia, who during the time that we were competing, they were able to have a national freight strategy. And, you know, to upgrade their facilities, they don't have a harbor maintenance tax. Like in the United States, every time, you know, a freight comes in here, it's $90. Uh, When they go to Canada and then they, they simply just, do an express train all the way to our Midwest markets, they don't have to pay that $90, plus it's cheaper on their uh, train Mm -hmm. freight. And that's more on the federal level. So what we control, though, is our customer service, uh, as well as our strategic plan about how the port... how the port can harness the talents and assets that we do have. I mean, that's one thing I'd really like to focus on. Uh, Since the Northwest Seaport Alliance, John Wolfe was our executive director of Port of Tacoma plus the Northwest Seaport Alliance. Two jobs, but really probably more focused on the Northwest Seaport Alliance because 80% of the Port of Tacoma's assets are actually in that Northwest Seaport Alliance. Mm. It's a big deal. Right. And because the maritime and shipping, that's the core competency of the Port of Tacoma. Uh, now, whatever what happens to the rest? So now we have a new executive director set aside just for the Port of Tacoma itself. And that's great. And uh, the Port of Tacoma will be coming up with a strategic plan next year. Have you met with him? Up. Yes. Yeah. What's he so, like? What's your take? He seems great because he used to be the executive director of the Washington Ports. Okay. So he knows what, what all the other Washington Ports are doing, how they operate, uh, and their strategic plans. Uh, the Port of Walla Walla... Well, one of their uh, is they promote 
their wine industry, mm. wine tourism. So for me, like, well, okay, what is the Port of Tacoma strategic plan beyond the cargo boxes? Mm. I know we do need to support our maritime industry uh, with, you know, maritime-related businesses, whether it's related to uh, transportation, environmental, or security even, because we're going into more high-tech, uh, logistics. So can we have these companies in the downtown core of Tacoma? Can we have it around Port of Tacoma? Can there be more better coordination between economic development Tacoma and Port of Tacoma mm-hmm. so that we are attracting those businesses? What other plans could economic development plans could we have for the other county? I mean, back in the day, the port invested in Fredrickson. Mm-hmm. They had the patient capital back in 1968 to invest like $1.6 uh, And now that's a big distribution center. Right. You've seen Boeing and Best Buy, all, all sorts of companies there. And so what is the port's plan beyond also cargo, beyond the shipping, and for that real estate? Mm. What should it be? Well, for me, it's always like maritime related is to support your core competency. It's not the chemical companies. Because mm. as we've seen with the history of our port and our tide flats, there's a legacy of Superfund sites. Yeah. Costing us hundreds of millions in cleanup cost and lost and probably more so in lost economic opportunity because polluted lands cannot be used, cannot be leased. We still have uh, land there, uh, Occidental. Used to be Hooker Chemical was the name. And that's since the 1980s, been vacant. And I think they're going to come up with a cleanup plan or to take a look. Like later this year, early 2020, and Citizens of a Healthy Bay is kind of taken a lead mm-hmm. on, hey, maybe you should clean up more than you want. Because I think they want to clean up less than 50 oh, percent, even wow. though they caused all, right. all that contaminants. And they're still making millions mm-hmm. everywhere else. Or like Arkema. If you heard about the, the flood in Texas, there was an explosion. That was Arkema. We also have our own Arkema site here. Oh, wow. And that still needs to be cleaned up that. for us to use. So what? Yeah. So you you also. So mentioned- I would move away from those. Right. Those are not our core competency. Plus, also they left us with legacy pollution. Right. And are we going to be on the? You mentioned this kind of on your website. Um, are we going to be on the hook as taxpayers in in Pierce County for cleaning that up? I hope not. I'm pushing for it. That's why I said we're not going to increase any more property taxes. Also, people tend to think that those are that are environmentally uh, forward. That they are all about taxes. I'm not. <laughs> I believe in the corporations who made those messes to clean up those messes, Mm -hmm. because if we did it ourselves as individuals, then we would be liable. Right. And so they're still making money. They should be the ones to clean it up. Right. Right. Um, So what other kind of environmentally friendly innovations or new things do you want to bring to the port? I think maybe we should have a research, research on fuels. Cool. Uh, You know, there is the Pacific Northwest Labs in Richland who is doing some fuel research. Maybe we can have some projects here at the Port of Tacoma as well as coordinated with our educational institutions in terms of biofuels or renewable diesel, things that can be used in the maritime shipping industry, mm-hmm. uh, maritime shipping or even trucks. And so so I would invite those kind of companies or that kind of research and labs. Right. And where, what about um, – I mean a lot of people when they talk about the future of the port – they have this kind of nebulous idea of green jobs. What do you think that would look like? What's the best idea for the future? Well, I think that's just going to happen. It's a matter of time and how fast. 
acceleration is. Of course, the fossil fuel industries, oil and gas, will want to for- have some forced dependency because if they're not able to use their their investments, mm-hmm. they'll want us to keep on using it. So there will be some emerging technologies. That's why there's been this fight about LNG, whether it really could, is the bridge fuel because there may be emerging technologies and climate change legislation that cuts that off mm-hmm. in the future sooner than people think. Right. And so you mentioned yeah. before we started recording that LNG is the topic you're hearing more about this year. Yes. <laughs> more so than even 2017. That's surprising. In places like Gig Harbor. Wow. And what's, yeah, what's the take there? You know, people are still wondering what it is. Mm. But what I think is surprising is that people don't like it. They don't, even even in Gig Harbor? Yeah, even in Gig Harbor. And even when I'm speaking to places like City Club and Rotary 8, I got really a loud clap when I talked about uh, the disadvantages about LNG because there are some. And, you know, that's why Citizens of a Healthy Bay, Washington Conservation Voters, Sierra Club, and Governor Jay Inslee, who said in, in his good conscience he could no longer support the project mm-hmm. because he did not want us to lock down on a fossil fuel uh, for, for 30 fi- years yeah, 30 and years, beyond. Yeah. Uh, there is an advantage that it does clean, uh, that burns cleaner at the cons- site of consumption. But all the methane leaks, as well as the fracked gas that it comes from, well, that just takes away all the advantages in terms of like climate change. It's, it's even worse mm-hmm. if you use the updated science. Right. And, you know, fracked gas, uh, you know, it's, it's correlated with even uh, premature births. Um, it's been associated with earthquakes, water contamination, um, air quality, bad air quality. So, so in some ways, I always uh, say that it's stealing from Paul to pay or stealing from Peter to pay Paul. Mm-hmm. Like you can say that, oh, I'm burning cleaning here, but all the the processes and distribution and the fracked gas takes away. The life cycle. Yeah, the yeah. life cycle. And so what are some things we could do? to make the quote-unquote site of consumption or like the actual port area cleaner, cleaner air to breathe. I think water. the port tried to do that with the clean trucks program. Right. How's that uh, going? I haven't They've I haven't actually update. now are in compliance. Okay. Beforehand, the Puget Sound Clean Air Agency Executive Director basically asked the Port of Tacoma commissioners, why is the health of the people of Tacoma less important than the people of Seattle? I remember that. That was spicy. Yeah. It (laughs) seems like a matter of will and possibility because Seattle was able to comply during the time that they had. So for people who aren't aware, the the ports, both of the ports had to... Um, they had a program to make short-haul trucks. All short-haul trucks that come to the port to pick up cargo or whatever had to have a 2007 or newer engine because they're a lot cleaner burning. Mm-hmm. But there were a lot of issues with those engines. A, those trucks are really expensive. And B, they break down easily, I, apparently, according to the truckers, which is why they didn't come into compliance. But it took, like, way longer than it should have for the port to come provided some loans and grants for right. in terms of equity issues. Right. Um, but it took then, a while. Yeah. Probably a lot of the— Diesel particulates, it's coming from trucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is why I am glad to see that, you know, Mercedes-Benz and Tesla is looking into doing the zero emissions trucks. Right. Um, and there could be some electrification at the port as well. Yeah. And that. So do we have shore power at the port right now? We do. The okay. only ones that are using it are actually the two tote ships. Okay. The two tote ship vessels that is currently in conversion to LNG. 
And I heard from a tote representative that if all goes well, the conversion process should be completed by early 2022. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tote and other other ships are currently in compliance by using ultra-low surfal diesel. So when people say like, oh, they're not going to be complying in 2020, I was like, well, they're not even done converting. So even if LNG didn't exist, they'd still have to comply. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they've been using ULSD, ultra-low sulfur diesel, for a while now. And what's the difference in that? It like it just lowers the sulfur content, and uh, but I would say like what is LNG's advantage over ULSD is the price point. Mm. Right now, we have a glut of LNG. Um, when uh, the president uh, goes to China, one one of the top trade uh, priorities is LNG exports. Interesting. Yes, but it's not usually coming from like Louisiana and Texas with the huge LNG plants. Uh, not from not from us, right? Right. But other other ships in our at the port of Tacoma are are not using LNG. Uh, as of June, when I talked to the port executive director, um, he had told me they were the only ones who had a contract was tote for okay. the two tote ships. So when they say, "Oh, when they're when they're here on shore, they're on shore power," so they're not really emitting mm-hmm. the diesel particulates because they're actually plugged in. So of all the ships. Right, right. right? <laughs> to demonize. Yeah, so they're doing their job. I mean, they Tote is Tote is uh, actually doing pretty good by by having by having shore power. Right. So what it, should is that worth bringing to other parts of yes. the port and expanding? They they they've increased it in up in British Columbia and I think like we did it for a T5, so why not here at the Port of Tacoma? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a real quick break. We'll be right back. This is Alaska Airlines Mileage Plan MVP Nate Bowling, host of the Channel 253 sister podcast, Nerd Farmer. Hope and I are setting off on a new adventure. We're moving to the Middle East for the next few years and exploring a new culture. Don't worry, don't worry. The Nerd Farmer podcast isn't going anywhere. But do you know what is coming with us? My Alaska Airlines Mileage Plan. Here's what's cool. Alaska has more than 15 global partners, which allows me to earn and use Alaska miles even when I'm not flying Alaska. So if I leave SeaTac and fly direct to Dubai on Emirates on an eligible fare, I'm going to earn Alaska miles on that flight. That means whenever I fly home, I'm going to be racking up some insane miles that I can use to book future travel. If you have an international vacation plan, check out the list of Alaska Airline partners like Japan Airlines, British Airways, Cathay Pacific, Qantas, and a whole lot more. Enter your Alaska Airlines mileage plan number when you book with Alaska Global Partners and watch those miles add up toward elite status on your next trip. My thanks to Alaska Airlines for their continued support of Channel 253. Learn more at alaskaair.com backslash global partners. Welcome back. We're here in another one of our A Million Candidate interviews with Kristen Ang. Um, We have been having a lot of fun having these long-form talks with our candidates, and we hope you've been having a lot of fun listening to them because there's not a lot of places you get to hear a candidate talk one-on-one like this for an hour. So please become a member if you've been enjoying this. It's $4 a month or $40 a year. Go to channel253.com slash membership. All right. So we were talking a little bit about noise pollution at the port and some things that are going on related to reducing that, especially for our orca friends. So what's going on with that? Yeah, so that would be underwater noise. Mm -hmm. And we have this program. It's pretty new. It's called Green Marine that we're part of. And we we self-evaluate 
uh, we judge ourselves on a one to five criteria, but then there's a third party that verifies that. And one of the new things that we're evaluating is underwater noise mm. in collaboration with an ORCA task force. And so a way to mitigate uh, the ship's underwater noise so that it doesn't affect the orcas. And that's been a that's been an issue here in the Pacific Northwest. It's even been recognized internationally. What happened, I believe, last year with Taliqua when the when her baby orca died and she pretty much held it up for for 17 days. Incredible. And to show the world. Yeah. And that was unheard of. It, it doesn't, you know, for scientists, they were all so perplexed. Mm. It's never been happening. It's almost like a protest. And and it's mourning. And for for some Native American cultures, they, you know, believe that orca is their relation or that they have this sacred vow. Mm. And there's also this myth that once the orca dies, we're next, we're soon, soon mm. after. We have that connection. Mm. So it's not just about... You know, oh, this creature. We love this. We love this whale. It's also that we're all connected, mm-hmm. and and that is somewhat of a sustainability or stewardship issue. And I think this is where faith comes in. Sometimes in politics, we're afraid to touch faith, but we really shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the Native American, they have this concept: the seven generations. It's been some, you know, seven generations, and thought of to be about stewardship and sustainability. That when we make decisions. We should think about seven generations How forward. Right. And maybe even just one generation. Mm-hmm. I'm telling people, let's at least think about the next. Um, as you've seen the climate strike, youth climate strike, uh, Greta Thunberg, mm-hmm. she's basically saying that my generation and the one before me basically screwed her dreams. Yeah. And can't that blame we her. Ha- yeah. Yeah. What were, you, what were you about to say? Oh, no, I can't, can't blame her. <laughs> like, And even within the Christian religion, uh, I think even with every human being, there is this implicit sacred vow that you are being a steward of resources for the next generation, that you do not use it up. Um, even in Christian religions, that seven means something. Like, you know, seven times seven, forgive the people. Or even with uh, the Luke's gospel, Jesus was like seven, 77 out of the whole geneal- genealogy. Mm-hmm. Like there's something about seven and sins of the father, how... What we do today, our descendants will pay for and the consequences. So we should be mindful that we have we do have a duty. And I think that also motivates me that in running for office, as well as trying to in somewhat fight for the next generation, that they do have a foundation for prosperity and health. And that we do have this obligation. Mm. Do you get asked about your faith a lot on the campaign trail? And is it like a turn on or turn off for any of the people you talk to? No, I never get asked about faith. I guess people know. I guess nowadays maybe. I think sometimes people also don't think that, you know, gay people have faith. (laughs) (laughs) But I grew actually grew up in Catholic schools and, you know, read, read with read about religion and spirituality and it just makes sense that we are connected to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we even the Pope wrote that encyclical about right. climate change and yes. environmentalism. That was crazy mm-hmm. for that. But death. he's a scientist, right? Right. And part of me was, you know, when I went to church every Sunday and would hear these tales or read about the people who were being told to repent, or you know, all these signs like the ones we have now about with fires, red moons, ice, uh, red moons, red skies. Would they? Would people listen? Would they do something? And I was like, oh, of course. Nowadays we would. I don't know why they didn't back then. 
And yet, you know, we're not we're like, not. Uh, you know, we don't need like in, you know, like that story of Joseph, like he interpreted the dream of the seven fat cows and the seven lean cows, meaning, oh, we're going to have seven years of prosperity and then seven lean years. So we should prepare for the famine. Here we are, science and data telling us this is coming, you know, sea level rise, mm-hmm. uh, not being able to farm, droughts, these kind of Fires. the hurricanes, like what happened to the Bahamas, Puerto Rico. It's it's right in our faces, and yet some people still don't want to do anything. Absolutely. It's, I remember last summer when we had the really bad fires in, like, August. You know, we had the really bad smoke and the ash coming yes. from British Columbia. And I remember I, I was, like, walking through Stadium District. It was, like— almost dark out at like 5 p.m. People had masks over their faces because the ash was bothering them so much and still were acting like nothing is wrong, just going about our daily lives. I was like, this is like the apocalypse. This feels like end times. Like, we still don't Something's not quite right. And Mm. yet, you know, I think of myself as a common sense candidate. I don't like to politicize addressing climate or climate resiliency and adaptation because it's just something that's going to happen. Like sea level rise, we need to secure our ports. In case of like natural disasters, the port is the hardest hit. Mm. And so we should just secure ourselves. It just makes sense to me. Uh, the number, the the successful ports the are the ones that are environmentally sound and, and, and innovative mm-hmm. and the ones that are connected to their communities. I often, often thought that the port, yes, has, is an economic engine, but it could be better. And its weakness is that it's not open to the community. It's a bit insular when it comes to decision making as well as connecting. That's why I said it should be connected to our educational institutions. It should have more community support. It should have better uh, collaboration and coordination with the cities and towns in Pierce County and even beyond, as well as I think the, what the Puyallup tribe of Indians was the one where I was shocked in 2017 uh, that their relationship wasn't as good as it could be. But there's been a lot of history and tensions and fights for 100 years. Right. So what would you do to make the port more like accessible to the community and to people and more transparent? For me, I think it's open data as well as informing the people of what exactly we're facing. I think you should just be honest with the people about what are your issues, what would we like, and what would you like? What is your vision for the port? I often think when people say the word stakeholders, like who do they mean? Yeah. Is it this, these special interest people? It's just the city? But I often thought, well, well, this is a public port. There's a reason why they made it public and didn't have private monopolies over this port is because we want the people to benefit. Or at least that's my ideal, that everyone should be able to benefit. People who want access to those jobs and opportunities and businesses related to the port should have them. And for me, that means opening up the port and connecting it to our youth, Mm. to our educational institutions, to students, to people who want to have a chance at these jobs Mm. and uh, any sorts of opportunities and research at the port. Uh, So I'm kind of wondering, because the port does have this authority which it can do transportation projects it can have all this influence and i just think it's not reaching its potential mm-hmm. do you think yeah it's a good that's a good point uh, that you make about it's a public entity all of pierce county taxpayers are tax you know pay for this do you think the average pierce county taxpayer benefits from the port as it stands right now and how well if you're getting any goods <laughs> right <laughs> from china uh I would say, like, yes, of course, because a lot of jobs are related to trade. Mm-hmm. And we are 
with the Port of Seattle, we're the fourth largest gateway in North America. So a lot of jobs and a lot of trade, due to trade, due to shipping and anything related to the maritime industry, that has to do with our ports. Mm-hmm. We just need to know more about it and be more involved with it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just need to, you know, fulfill our potential. Right. Absolutely. And I think also the port, like perhaps maybe that's why there need to be new voices there or opening them up that table is to have representation because... I really can't believe I'm still, I would be the first person of color to ever sit on that commission. And the first gay woman, I think, right? I don't know. I don't know. I I think the News Tribune said that in their editorial. I don't know about that, but they they called me young again. I'm not young. (laughs) I'm 40. And the Puyallup tribe of Indians should be at that table. It's not only just, it makes economic sense. A lot more people should should be listened to. Absolutely. Do you think um, five is a good number for the poor? Like in a way, it seems like you almost need more people. I never really thought about the number, but I always thought, you know, it's better than one. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like five can give you variety. I think it's more about opening up who you think is a stakeholder like, and who you have in mind. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes it has to just go beyond just the businesses at the port. Of course, they're your stakeholders. You need to listen to them. But what about also the 10-year-old? Right. The 18-year-old or the 17-year-old, the people who can't even vote, but whose future depends on that port, whose job prospects and prosperity and health. Because mm-hmm. one of the things about ports is that they do have this um, economic engine, but they also have to mitigate their effects, which is pollution and traffic. Mm-hmm. So places like a fife get hit by traffic. So I kind of wonder about the offices and restaurants and services there during the 3 o'clock hour or – other neighborhoods where trucks pass by or warehouses, we need to be mindful of our impact in our neighborhoods. Right. Absolutely. Um, so if if you're elected, I guess to ask you about some big ticket items, is there anything that you would be able to do, you think, about the Northwest Detention Center or about the LNG facility hmm. as a commissioner? Well, I always say as an individual, you can do a lot. <laughs> but... As commissioner, does it make it more, you know, do I have more powers to do something about the Northwest Detention Center? I think I have more of a soapbox mm-hmm. to talk about things. Uh, but I think I, I'm just glad that I'm not the attorney general who, you know, Bob Ferguson is able to sue them for uh, labor th- wage theft, right. you know, for the dollar a day or a bag of chips that they give people for, quote unquote, voluntary work. Mm-hmm. Um or impact fees or or legislate legis- the legislative so i'm not quite sure how, what the commissioner can do about the northwest detention center we can ins- probably be more influential in terms of like what's at the port to make it, to work with people that this port is safe in terms of like incidents and like what are the plans for evacuation right and like what are the materials there like and the alerts and the notices so that people can know when there's like a chemical fire right so that would i would have more control over i would believe uh but in terms of, I don't, I don't have that power as a commissioner. Of course, I can always lobby uh, as an individual mm-hmm. or I would say volunteer, as I've done before, to represent someone at the Northwest Detention Center, uh, you know, do cancellation oh, you- of removals or bond hearings. Wow. And so immigration bond hearings, but and also help out with the organizations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as a commissioner, does that make it any different? I don't I don't think so. 
Right. Uh, with the LNG plant, that has already been approved by the previous commissioners. I would say moving on, that's not the kind of projects that I would be approving. Um, but at the same time, as a commissioner, I would say that I would want frank discussions with the public and uh, institute a public in- comprehensive public engagement plan moving forward so that people are not surprised by methanol plants or LNG plants or explain. I've, I've often you know, told the poor and other people, like, why don't you just have a really big town hall to address all the concerns of these people, particularly about the blast zone? Mm. Why won't they? They said it won't make a difference, that people will just believe what they believe. But I think it would. People want to be heard, though. Yeah. And part of me is like, if I almost think, like, if you give me the evidence and you give me stuff, I'll do it. (laughs) Um, But but part of because to me, like, let's say if if it was just one crackpot on the computer. Sure. But this is whole neighborhoods who believe that they're not safe, that, you know, that this is being cited, you know, American Association of Gas Operators, Sitgo, something like that, said that they shouldn't cite these things in narrow, busy waterways next to urban density. Well, guess what? Boom. It's the Port of Tacoma. <laughs> and then you have people citing things like 12.6 miles of evacuation. You have the LNG plant that exp- there was an explosion in Plymouth, mm-hmm. Washington. And so you have all these fears. I said, as a commissioner or as an elected official, I think it is your job to come to go out there and... Uh, alleviate some of these fears. Mm-hmm. So if you really believe that, then you need to combat that. Right. Particularly, I don't like politicizing public safety. That's why I think that you should at least take that off the table. That's not being, uh, you know, that's being... How do you mean? As in, like, I think we could talk about economics and environmental, but public safety should be taken very uh Seriously, I don't want no Amtrak crashes. Do you remember that? Like, Absolutely. probably a lot of people passed on, thought it was the safest, most modern. And then what happened? Mm-hmm. There was an Amtrak crash because they seem to be uh, rushing that project. And like the Boeing Max or whatever it is, same thing. Yeah. We don't want the same thing happening with the LNG plant. Right. I, you know, like if they want that, they should very much ensure it's safe, but also give a few, uh, make people at least feel that they can be safe, even if they don't agree with it on the environmental or economic basis. And, you know, one thing about the LNG plant that kind of makes me smirk a little is that in private, there are people who don't like it that are and also say that, yeah, I don't think it'll benefit our region economically, but in public won't say that. Like what kind of people? Big names. <laughs> and so chamber they, aligned they or would be elected, they would be not like it's it's interesting. Like mm-hmm. who will go Senator Jeannie Darnell went on went public mm. at the public agency hearing at the PISCA, Puget Sound Clean Air Agency, for those who don't know the acronym. Uh, she pretty much said we wouldn't be having these conversations in Medina or Newcastle because they wouldn't accept this. And to deny, deny, deny the permit and to stand with the Puyallup Tribe of Indians to listen to them. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, but I, I, I got to ask again, who, who is saying that they, oh, that no. they support the plant in public, but they're, you know, behind closed doors, not? No comment. No <laughs> okay. comment on that. But there's definitely been a t- tide, uh, yes. a turning tide from 2017 to 2019. There's a lot more people who oppose this project. Uh, have you seen the Tacoma Human Rights Commission even mm-hmm. wrote a letter to the city? And people are now openly questioning it. Right. When but it's too late. <laughs> Yeah, even Jay Inslee finally said in his good conscience he could not 
supported. And when I look at, Jay, you know, Governor Inslee's run, his climate mission, I said, well, if the climate mission is to be accomplished, it needs to happen in places like Pierce County. Mm-hmm. If you want your Green New Deal, it's doesn't it's not moonshot. It's not a sh- you know, it's it's not moonshots, it's warehouses, it's trains, it's trucks, it's shipping, mm-hmm. it's trade. This is where it has to happen in places that have rural, city, and port. The economic engines is where your climate mission has to be achieved. And I think Pierce County could be that example, could be that leader of where we did transition successfully into a clean energy economy. Where do, what do we need to make that happen? I would say we need some investments into some infrastructure, but we also need a new m- frame of mind frame, uh, as well as our educational institutions again. And I think this is where also the support of the Pialup tribe. I'm, I'm really glad they have a very, you know, seven generation concept of sustainability. Absolutely. In collaboration with our local governments. That would be great. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> that would be great. Um, but a lot of people do want to fund projects and, re- and, and research. And I think we could be that. Uh, and also has to be bipartisan. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I've been working, working on is uh, with the Northwest Industrial Hemp Association of Washington uh, with Bonnie Jo Peterson. And hemp actually passed bipartisan in the Washington state legislature by a really large majority. And even Mitch McConnell. Right. Mitch McConnell wants to him, so it passed nationally first, because it'll make his state money. Mm-hmm. So if it can make our eastern farmers money but and our west and our ports money because we can ship, you know, hemp hemp products, uh, well then that's a win win. And hemp is very green. Right. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> it's not just CBD. It, it could be like, you know, hemp wood. It could be hemp construction materials as well as, well as uh, graphene, uh, you know, like superconductors. That's the research into that. And so there's a lot of things that we could invest in and start researching and being the leader. Mm-hmm. But like I said, we can't politicize this. This has to be in somewhat a economic development and for me, it just makes sense. Clean air, clean water, and family wage jobs. Right. Right. All right. Well, anything else you want to add, Kristen? Hmm. There's probably tons of things. <laughs> but right now, you've stumped me with that question. I like everybody, when we're doing these these speeches, they give us two minutes or one minute. And we everyone usually says, we're going to modernize transportation and port infrastructure. And... And all about environmental stewardship and community partnerships. And I think at the very, you know, why me? Like why, 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 why me as a commissioner? And I think it's because we do need a new vision for the next 100 years of the port. We do need to be more innovative. We do need to open up that port. And I think ha- breaking that barrier, uh, you know, having community and environmental representation at that port will change will change things does start changing the system and like i said in order to change the system you need a new electorate we do need more people voting mm-hmm. we need a higher turnout if you want if you want the government and if you want the the economy that that you that you want i guess right all right well thank you so much for coming on thank you If you'd like to reach out to us about anything you heard on the show today, or if you'd like to suggest a guest or a topic, please email me at candice.rude at gmail.com. That's Candice with an I, 
Rude, R-U-U-D, at gmail.com. The Citizen Tacoma podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Candice Rude, and I fly Alaska. To book your next flight, go to alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.